0: U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
1: Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to RotoWire's signature NHL hockey pod, PuckCast, with Statsman and AJ Friends. I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co host, as always, is AJ Scholz, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. It's ajscholz 2 24 We're back in our usual Tuesday morning recording spot after the Thursday slot last week, and uh, we'll revert back to our more normal review of rosters today with no shortage of roster adjustments and injury updates even since the last show. Kind of curious that so many changes happen on a daily basis almost in the NHL, but that's what gives us a lot to talk about here. And it's the latter point that makes me wonder if the Players Association will make the 82-game schedule, a point of discussion in the next labor agreement that's currently up for renegotiation. I'm so happy that none of the Leaf games in the first 42 outings has required a shootout. I'd like to see that aspect dumped completely in favor of a 10-minute overtime period that's three-on-three, three, as I've said here before. That's just one of the changes that I would contemplate, and I just wonder, my partner, if, uh, AJ, you think that there should be other changes that you'd like to see in or around the game. What do you think?
0: Well, I think we're going to both sound a little uh, old, old hat here. Um, You know, we've mentioned a lot of these before. I I definitely agree with the 10 minute uh, OT period uh, and then go to a shootout if if you have to. I can't imagine that most of these games uh, are going to drag on beyond 10 minutes of three on three. I just think that uh, eventually something's going to go in. I don't want to go back to the ties. um, So that's why I still would do the shootout after the 10 minute. um, But I think. Doubling the amount of three on three, I think you're really going to uh, get away from having any situations in, in which you're going to even need the shootout. In regards to other things, uh, something that we've put both pushed for a long time is the three-point win, uh, two-point uh, for the, the overtime win, uh, and then Err, yeah.
1: Yeah, and one point for the OT loss and then nothing for yes. a loss and regulation. Yeah,
0: thank you. No problem. A little, little, little brain meltdown there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the 3-2-1 format uh, I think is uh, something that we've both advocated for a while. I think it'll push teams to, to maybe uh, go that little bit of extra in regulation and, and try and uh, you know get these, these games done that way. So uh, we'll see if anything like that comes up with the, the discussions. I don't know if the 82-game schedule is one that'll come up. You know, with the revenue share, I think both sides are making plenty of money out of that schedule. And and it doesn't seem at least like it's too much of a grind for these guys. But uh, we'll see how that all pans out. But before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners throughout the week, if you have uh, questions, uh, you can tweet at us. You know, we'll answer a line of questions, uh, general fantasy hockey questions or or hockey in general. You know, questions about your team, what we're seeing uh, there. Uh, and we're trying to answer those you know we've had a couple of uh, great interactions of late uh, i had some questions about picking up a guy dropping somebody else and and how that weighed in so as paul mentioned you can follow me at aj shows 24 and you can follow paul the Statsman at statsman 22
1: all right let's go through the nhl as we normally do uh, beginning with anaheim and i'll note aj that the uh, cam fowler's returned to this lineup that means he gets back to top pairing minutes at power play time and brandon montour was filling those roles so he's going to lose some of that action and you want to adjust your fantasy lineups accordingly in daily and season long play for those two players at least losers of eight straight games the ducks are they've only scored 11 times in that span that's clearly a problem they're hurting at both ends of the ice though as uh, john gibson has hit his first rough spot, the spot of the season allowing 14 goals in his last four games uh they need to straighten out both ends of the rink here otherwise this could be a lost season
0: yeah absolutely and i i I think you know one thing that i would note on you know uh gibson's struggles he's only sat out one game uh out of the last 17 so uh definitely facing a heavy workload right now and, and maybe that's starting to catch up to him you know they brought in chad johnson with with ryan miller out so uh, you know, I know Johnson's numbers haven't been great this year, um, but <clears throat> if you're going to be losing games with Gibson anyway, uh, you might as well put Johnson in and, and see what happens there and at least give Gibson a chance to get a knife o- night off. So that that's kind of been, you know, I get the play through it aspect of it as well and understand that mentality. But at the same time, I think we're just looking at an overworked netminder
1: right now. I agree with you on that call uh, In Arizona, before anybody gets overly excited about Darcy Kemper's shutout on Sunday, he's got to be better than a guy whose last win was back on November 15. That's not much consistency. consistency. That's 10 games ago we're talking about. So the shutout seems like a a blip on on the radar here. Aiden Hill should continue to get a bigger share of the net for the time being, in my opinion although they'll probably get Kemper back in there off the uh, SO uh, in the last start. Up front, Nick Schmaltz is dealing with upper body injury, and it's a serious one, folks. That uh, lists him out week to week, and then that likely means bigger minutes for Brad Richardson in the second-line center role. He's got to live up to that, uh, or else he might lose it, but it's a great opportunity for him right now.
0: Well, I do uh, agree that Richardson uh, needs to step up uh, in, you know, in his opportunity here, but you're suggesting that he might lose the spot. I don't really know who they're putting in there instead. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Nick Cousins, Mario Kempy. I don't think either one of those guys is really going to push Richardson for for any minutes there so um, it's kind of Richardson or bust on that second line right now and unfortunately you know there hasn't been a lot of production out of most of these guys now it seems like Galchenyuk is starting uh, to warm up a little bit obviously you know fans down in down in Arizona would have liked that to start sooner uh, Vinny Henestrosa continues to be ice cold coming back from that injury uh, so you know maybe the shakeup in in the center here We'll kind of give those guys a a fresh look and and maybe turn things around for them.
1: In Boston, the bees are healthier than they've been in a long while, and it's reflected in their all nice play. A depth forward. Joaquin Nordstrom has a broken leg, and Charlie McAvoy lower body injury. He's probably returning next week. Those are, those are the only bumps and bruises they have right n- now. In goal, Tuukka Rask looks to be gaining a little bit of confl- confidence, allowing only five goals against in his last three starts. That's great news for the Bees. Uh, up front, David Krejci deserves high praise for ramping up his production while Bergeron was sidelined. Now that uh, the number one center is back, uh, Krejci drops back down to the second line roll, but. All told, he's on pace for his highest point total since the 13-14 season, now anchoring that second unit. Uh, Joining him on that line is David Back is getting a look at right wing. That's a bit of a switch up. They had him at center for much of the season in a third line role. So he's back into a top six role, providing some muscle and uh, that veteran leadership is not to, to be discounted either.
0: Look, we're going to get a little mini rant here early in the show. Uh, This whole thing about Charlie McAvoy and, and behavioral issues that suddenly came up. You know, he was doing an interview and he acknowledged that he had shown up uh, late uh, to to like two things, uh, and that the veterans on the team had you know kind of chastised him for it. And I think he was just being open and candid about it. But suddenly now, you know, uh, ownership and and management is getting questions about, oh, does Charlie McAvoy have a behavioral problem? And blah blah blah. It's like one, management coaching staff didn't even bring this up in the first place. The player brought it up on his own and was, you know, speaking about the fact that he had made what sounds like two very minor mistakes, but that the leadership on the team you know, had pointed it out to him and corrected it to him. And I think all of those, if I'm a Boston fan, all those are good things to me. You know, McAvoy is still a young player. uh, And so to have veteran guys that can be like, Hey, look, we're not showing up late to the bus here, be here on time. You know, the fact that it wasn't anything that the team even really noticed or, or, you know, frankly cared, uh, I think speaks a lot. I think it's just been totally overblown. Uh, And, you know, that, that really got to me that, that, this became something uh, out of you know an innocuous comment by him taking ownership for something that was honestly relatively minor.
1: All right AJ you're entitled to rant once in a while. I, I <laughs> uh, Interesting I didn't hear that one so that's an interesting perspective and uh, sometimes players just do a better job of policing themselves and keeping these things out of the public eye and I think that's better for the organizations all told. In Buffalo, Jack Eichel continues to be nursing an upper body injury in his day-to-day. That's led to a, not, a lot of roster shuffling here. Uh, Rodriguez and Sabatka will center the top two lines in his absence. Tej Thompson has moved up to the right wing spot on the second line ahead of struggling Kyle Okpozo and a slumping Jason Pominville. Connor Sheary has also parlayed his improved shots on goal rate to more minutes on the left wing at the second on the second unit so plenty of movement among the top three forward lines here in Buffalo
0: yeah I mean it sounds like they might get Eiko back tonight Um, they're gonna have to kind of wait and see the same thing with Zemes Gergensen uh, you know, he, they both have kind of a wait and see approach for tonight's game. We'll probably know more after the morning skate, uh, and then Sam Reinhardt also dealing with with an illness. He wasn't at practice yesterday, uh, so we'll see if he's available tonight. And really, uh, those you know two guys, uh, Will uh, Eichel and Reinhardt, are big pieces. But even Gergensen uh, is a factor in the bottom six here, and without him, you know it really kind of stretches everything that much more. You know, I expect we'll see a guy like C.J. Smith headed back to the minors once Gergensen comes off IR. Uh, Eichel will go back to that first spot, which kind of uh, raises some questions for Sabotka, where he might fill in. He's kind of moved all over the score sheet uh, this season, and it's really showed in his production. He's got one assist in his last 20 games. Hasn't scored a goal since November 8th. He's clearly not doing what they were hoping he would uh, coming out of St. Louis last year.
1: In Calgary, we've talked a lot about the forwards on the on this club, uh, but I want to shine the light on the, a couple of defensemen here. T.J. Brody's looked really solid as Mark Giordano's partner recently, and that's a call that we made to get these two guys back together and see if that could ramp up Brody's game. In fact, it has. He's got a couple of goals over his last three outings. To show that his offensive game is coming around alongside a plus 20 rating year to date that's way above what he was last year yeah also Noah Hannafin another d-man is also is strutting his offensive flair before last night's game he had seven points in his last nine outings on pace now for a career best in points uh 40 plus points possibility with him and a career best plus seven he's finally reflecting his high draft class rating from a couple of seasons ago
0: Look, we still have to talk about the forwards with this team, and that's because a guy like Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau, is just lighting it up. Uh, seven goals in his last five games, threw in another six assists over that stretch as well as icing on the cake here. This guy has just been unstoppable of late, uh, and and really could very well start. You know, pushing. Uh, you know, guys whose names we've seen. Up at the top the last couple of years, I mean, we're used to seeing Kucherov, Ratnan, McKinnon, McDavid. Patrick Kane is uh, kind of a mainstay up top there. But Johnny Gaudreau right in the mix, just, uh, just five points behind Kucherov for that lead. You look at the goal totals. Uh, he's trailing uh, Ovechkin by four goals and so could obviously contend for the rocket here as well. So uh, really, uh, it's, it's tough to call it a breakout season for a guy who hit 84 points last year. But that's really what we have to call it at this point. 64 points in 44 games and finally putting his name kind of in the mix.
1: Good call there. He was voted the player of the week by the NHL, too, uh, in yesterday's news uh, newsreels. And Carolina, the Canes have won four straight games behind a reconfigured top line featuring McGinn, Aho, and Taravainen. The club anticipates a return this week of Jordan Stahl to bol- bolster the center position as well, as uh, Lucas Walmark and Victor Rask did nothing with the extra minutes in his absence, so they can't wait to get the big man in back in the mix over there. Uh, Justin Falk poses a dilemma for me his scoring is way down from last year while his plus minus is much improved over even the last four seasons so he's playing a more conscientious type of defense it looks like but he's sacrificed some offensive output here
0: yeah I definitely agree there uh, and I think part of that speaks to uh, what they have in the nets you know that you've gotten some good outings here and there by by Mrazik but you've also gotten You know some pretty poor ones as well you know you look at his last two wins gave up a combined seven goals uh, in those outings so you would want a little bit better there but fortunately the offense has been there uh, to kind of uh, bail him out and so I think you know it speaks to concerns in the goal that you have a guy like Justin Falk that has to play a more defensive style of uh, of game
1: In Chicago, Dominic Cahoon has had some sneaky fantasy value as long, and he will continue as long as he continues to ride shotgun next to Jonathan Taves and Brennan Saad. He has points in three of his last five games against stiff competition, I might add, in a solid stretch for the club. They're playing a lot better as a team here of late. In goal, Colin Delia has been part of that reason. He's outplayed Cam Ward with four solid starts on his resume since being called up, and he should be in line for a larger share of the net while Corey Crawford continues to recover from his second concussion over the last two seasons.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a little disappointed. You know, I I thought that Cam Ward would have, uh, you know, maybe take the reins here a little bit better with with Crawford out. Um, you know, he was kind of forced out in Carolina. I thought he played decently well last year. Uh, for stretches, he was a little inconsistent, but overall. Um, I think he had some some flashes there and I really thought this was a golden opportunity for him to prove he was still a number one netminder. Now, three and two in his last five games is not awful. Uh, certainly the goals against average is a little high at two point eight, two. But, uh, you know, D'Elia has, has, as you said, has really outplayed him uh, and is going to force the coaching staff here to kind of split these guys, I think, uh, until or if we get uh, Corey Crawford back this season.
1: And in Colorado, it's a story about the goalies as well. Uh, Semyon Varlamov just can't stay healthy. He's only played six of the last 14 games. He's back out of the lineup again, and that means Philip Grubauer will carry the load uh, in the nets. You'll, you'd like to see your number one goalie do better than that kind of a goalie share with the injuries that Varlamov's had this team's got such a nice winning record that a a true goalie one would be among the top 10 goalies in the league you'd think but it's just not happening right now. Up front Alex Kerfoot is making the second line relevant of late with six points in his last seven games played to take some of the pressure off that top scoring unit, which is still among the best in the league. The Avs continue to be in line for a boost with the return of Barbario and Zadorov on the blue line. That bring, that'll bring two experienced players back on defense, and that should help the overall defensive structure of this team going forward.
0: Yeah, that's a great call by you. I, I, I think that that really um, should change things up and, and maybe help those netminders. What's unfortunate for Colorado is uh, if that's what you think is uh, the key to their success, a, a, a better uh, goalie one, I don't think you're getting that at the trade deadline here. You know, I'd rather be in a situation where you need a top defenseman or a top six forward. Uh, those are pieces that you can get. They're unfortunately not going to be able to uh, at the trade deadline, which raises serious concerns. If I'm an abs fan uh, heading into the postseason. Now, Grubauer is supposed to be the guy moving forward, I think, for this organization. It's why they brought him in. Uh, and I think the lack of consistency is, is posing a concern there.
1: In Columbus, Sergei Bobrovsky's ordinary work and goal continues as he allowed at least three goals against in each of his last four games. And now the Jackets have a very tenuous hold on a, a playoff spot all of a sudden. While some players are underperforming, we mentioned last week the trio vying for the second line center minutes are all floundering. I want to also highlight uh, Ryan Murray on the blue line. He's on the plus side become a third viable offensive defenseman so while the forwards are struggling a little bit they've have, they have three defensemen that are capable of 40 point seasons and Murray maybe the surprise element in that regard that's a luxury few teams can match and you wonder if maybe they're going to deal from that strength to help their offensive up front.
0: Yeah, I mean, even though, you know, there's some concerns about whether or not he signs a long term deal, uh, trading Artemi Panarin, while it would obviously get you something back uh, pretty significantly, is certainly not going to help you bolster perhaps the weakest part of your team. Eleven points in the last seven games, plus nine uh, no points on the power play in that stretch but obviously producing uh, at even strength there so not a big concern Uh, that's not a guy that you really want to sell when that's kind of one of your weaker positions now having said that i do think he would offer perhaps the most intrigue on this team now we said you couldn't find a goalie one but sergey bovrosky's name has been tossed around for much of the year as as a potential trade option so maybe there's something here Columbus and Colorado could work out, um, but I'm, I, I just don't see it happening uh, during the season.
1: And we're, st- we're going to stick with a the goalie theme for another team or two here. It looks like when we talk about the Dallas Stars with the turn of the calendars, teams around the league want to see sharpness in their top goalies play yet. Bishop's game is sliding in the opposite direction as he too has struggled of late, allowing 11 goals in his last three starts. When I mention up f- my sidekick theory from time to time, the post- poster boy this year has to be Alexander Radulov, uh, AJ, a pillar of scoring consistency on this team. He's now entrenched again on that first line next to Sagan and Ben. And uh, he's scoring a better than a point per game pace this season, currently on a hot streak with eight points in his last five games. He could be a sneaky good value in DFS play for the next little while.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And and the thing with, you know, Radulov, uh, the only concern I have is that uh, they'll move him off that line periodically to try and get a little more depth scoring. And some of that has to do with the fact that the second line really just is not uh, factoring in much at all. You've got Spezza on a four-game uh, point, pointless streak. You've got Nishkushin who hasn't scored since, uh, looks like, oh boy. The Ice hasn't, Age. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, hasn't scored this season. I, I keep forgetting that. Uh, so hasn't scored in the NHL since the 2015-16 season. So there you go. Um, we'll see uh, if maybe they can figure it out, but Brett Ritchie hasn't offered much on that other side either. He's pointless uh, since December 7th. That's a stretch of eight games for him. So uh, really, not a lot on that second line, which means Radulov's spot on the first is, is tenuous at best because they'll try and spread out some of that scoring.
1: In Detroit, it's injuries to three veterans on the blue line that have changed things up a little bit. Mike Green, uh, Trevor Daly, and Bre- uh, David Danny DeKaiser, rather. They've, they are all out. And that's created an opportunity for 21-year-old Philip Horonick, uh, their 2016 second round pick. He's taken advantage of the extra time with uh, three points in his last two games. It's not a surprise. Uh, in this corner when we tell you that he had 39 points and a plus 24 at Grand Rapids of the AHL last season he also is joined by Dennis Chalowski as the next wave of offensive defenseman seems to be taking uh, up shop here in Detroit he too is eating up big minutes of late up front Tyler Bertuzzi's moved into a uh, left wing spot on the top line to bring some physical presence along with his offensive skills I like that move to protect a guy like a Dylan Larkin up front
0: yeah, I think it's an interesting choice. Uh, you know, it kind of, um, it, I see it as a little bit of a, a, a Tom Wilson style move uh, to have that guy there. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh, uh, you'd equate, uh, equate that to Patrick Hornquist to uh, A couple of different, you know, more physical uh, guys that can play uh, on those top minutes. I think what's good for this club is Anthony Mantha. Is back in action. Uh, Didn't get anything in that first game, but had a goal against Washington. So he seems to be finding a stride in in his return from injury. Uh, You've got a guy like Athanasiu, who missed uh, just a two game stint right around Christmas. But since then, he's got four goals in six games and is tearing it up as well. So I think there's some offensive firepower coming that could help uh, kind of uh, alleviate all the concerns on the back end.
1: In Edmonton, we've noticed Connor McDavid on the wrong end of a few big hits of late, and the Oilers have installed uh, Zach Cassian on on that line, another physical presence, uh, another theme that's emerging uh, in this show as we look at the rosters around the league. Uh, Cassian has shown an offensive side in the past, and it's certainly worth a look as long as he retains this assignment. So another low-end value in DFS play that could rise up and help you as long as he's aligned with The best player in hockey, uh, for my money. Depth scoring remains an issue, though. And uh, one, Tobias Ryder is seeing more second-line minutes, he's uh, been goalless in his last 29 games played. He hasn't even got a shot on goal in his last three games. So really, uh, they're trying to light a fire under this guy. He has shown some offensive flair in the past, but this is a a great opportunity. He'd be wise to grab onto it with both hands, but I don't trust him.
0: I just don't understand how this team can be so uh so offensively inept outside of like two guys um you really would think uh you know they've tried a lot of other things and and I, sh- I should say maybe three. You could throw Ryan Nugent Hopkins in there as well. Um, but really outside of McDavid and Drysidle, there just isn't much going on in terms of scoring here for this team. Uh, and and that's obviously a concern. Now, Colorado has gotten by with one top line uh, and then a few kind of uh, added characters. But there's really has not been much else here to help uh, McDavid and Drysidle. And you have to wonder, if you know the the honeymoon is starting to wear off with uh with the new coach there they look like they're going to be on the outside looking in again despite Ken Hitchcock coming in and, and trying to turn things around uh and and that's definitely a concern uh this late in the game
1: and uh this late in the season a number of teams are looking to solidify a second scoring line and it begins with the center position for those clubs. And Henrik Borg- Borgstrom is trying to fill that role in a bit of a revolving door situation here in Florida. He's uh, got three goals and one assist in his first 10 games in, the, in the, with the club this year and getting that second line center role. So he needs to continue to play at that level to hold on to it there in the midst of some competitors biting at his heels. He's competing for that role with Jared McCann, who has six points, for instance, in his last 10 games for one of his best stretches of the season. So that's up for grabs and it behooves you to keep an eye on Rotowire's Roster charts that we update on a on a daily basis to get the best line on who is playing where and this is one of those prime opportunities around the league right now as they look to fill that second line role. They have a couple of key pieces on IR that's, that are troubling the situation. Trocek has just started to practice again while recovering from an ankle injury and Buksted, who may return this week from an upper body injury could certainly help this offense to get a little more stable. In the Nets Roberto Luongo is another goalie that has struggled with 11 goals against in his last three starts and rumors abound that a goalie search is on the in in the trade talks when you're talking about Florida Panthers.
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of a an interesting situation. I think Reimer could get some some looks around the league as as kind of a veteran stabilizing force, um, but obviously his numbers this year aren't really going to behoove anybody to give up a whole lot to get him eight, seven, and four uh, with a 3.22 goals against average. That's not exactly the type of uh, numbers you're looking for when you're trying to bring somebody in, but he also might be the best option available. I mean, there's not uh, a, ton, uh, a ton to see there in, in terms of you know, uh, numbers. So it'll be interesting to see, interesting to monitor. I'd be shocked if they move Luongo, but uh, hey, stranger things have happened.
1: In Los Angeles, we talked about Kovacic flopping recently, but he's back once again on the first line at left wing, picking up an assist with more minutes the last time he played. So he replaces Alexia Fallow who has now gone scoreless in his last four games played, and he's now in a left wing role on a second or third line, depending on thing, how things line up. Brennan Leipzig has also somehow retained uh, a role as a top six winger but has only 10 points year to date. They gotta get more from the secondary scorers if they're gonna get top six minutes here. Uh, and he might be even threatened by Tyler Toffoli, who's picked up a few points and increased his shots on goal rate the past, over the past uh, couple of weeks. He's overdue for a scoring streak and we've seen it from him before. He's my candidate for uh, uh, a big move up on, in this roster and maybe uh, DFS value down the line.
0: Absolutely agree with that call, Paul. I think Toffoli, uh, is is, doing enough the goals haven't come just one uh in those last uh seven games but as you mentioned the the shots are up uh and clearly trying to get more opportunities here and i think uh moving him into leipzig spot could be a good move another guy that maybe uh could contend there is carl Haglin. Uh, he's back from injury, no points in that return. So far, the move to L.A. has has been less than pr- fruitful with just two assists in seven games, had that lengthy injury stretch. But it's worth noting that he is somebody else that could maybe push uh, for that, that top uh, top six spot.
1: In Minnesota, Luke koonen has picked up four points in his last four games, played moving into a scoring line role at right wing. His, he's battling Nino Niederreiter, who we've panned much of the season for that assignment. And the latter guy also has a couple of points in his last three games to stay in the mix. But I have more faith in Coonan and what he's doing right now, uh, responding to that challenge. Uh, on the d- defensive side of things, Matt Dumba sideline. And that means an opportunity for a guy like Ryan Murphy. This guy is a offense first type defenseman. And certainly, that's a big part of Dumba's game. So, they're hoping that Murphy back in the mix can get some power play time and take advantage of it. Another low end DFS value play if you're looking for help to fill in your roster. As Murphy has that offensive upside as a former number one draft pick.
0: Well, the guy I'm looking for uh, our first round uh, in, draft pick, I should say. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, the guy I'm looking for here, you know, especially DFS, but even season long is Jordan Greenway. You know, it looks like he's going to get a shot with Stahl and Granlin. Uh, yes, the numbers haven't been great, uh, but he is still, <clears throat> excuse me, still uh, a rookie uh, in trying to make his way. And I think getting a top uh, assignment here will be great for him. I think he adds a, a bit of physicality to that line as well. Uh, you know, this this is a guy that's six six. Uh, was going to tower over most of uh, the opposition there and so uh, playing along with Stahl who's by no means short at 6-4 you've got a pretty big uh, top line there uh, that can contend although Miko Grandlin at five ten really brings that number down.
1: <laughs> in uh, Montreal look Carey Price has looked great now in three starts including last night's narrow loss to, to Minnesota after his most recent injury but I still am troubled by the fact that he was pulled from practice recently with dizzy spells i i don't know if i can trust him right now even though uh, the numbers look good in the last three starts these these nagging injuries continue to crop up so i'll be looking for my goalies elsewhere in terms of dfs play until i see a longer stretch where he's actually healthy regardless of what he's doing in the games and right now it's hard to knock it but i guess i just did and joel armia is back in the lineup as a right wing on the second line bringing some much needed size and protection for smaller guys like domi and drew and though domi can certainly handle himself I don't think they want the Habs want him involved in too much of the extracurriculars (coughs) and let him to stay on the ice here on the blue line young Victor Mete has been reunited with Shea Weber on the top D pairing and that's good news for the youngster he was productive and looked good at times in that spot last season and they're going to give him a good run here I think in this role alongside Weber who's been playing extremely well as we pointed out recently
0: yeah i think you know the the key there for me uh you mentioned uh tonight in terms of dfs is going to be joel armia Uh, this is a guy that plays Uh, a lot of minutes you know in in winnipeg he had a third or fourth line assignment a lot of times but still was a factor on their second power play unit you're going to get the same out of armia here in montreal they're going to put him on the power play so yes he he's sliding up to the second line which i think is good for him tonight Um, but even if he were in a third line role this is a guy that plays a ton of power play uh, is always a factor for uh, a shorty as well. Uh, he does kill penalties, had one uh, last season for the year before that. And so uh, for me, it's, it's a guy I really like that kind of is a, a sneaky play.
1: The Predators are up next. I got a good look at them last night. They put on a show in Toronto here, and uh, (laughs) they moved things around. Philip Forsberg returned, and he looked great right off the hop. I'm wondering if Willie Leenlander even noticed that for the Maple Leafs side. But they had shuffled things around in the top two units. Yarncrock moved up to the left wing, in the top line, while Fiala is now a key element on that second line that's now being centered by Colton Sissons with uh, Tourist. Uh, back on the IR with a lower body injury, so keep an eye on the pivot situation on the no- second line there for a while. Subban has picked up now four points in his last three games and looking ready to resume his play as a focal point of this offensive scheme from the back end. In fact, they're, the court of defenseman here is all looking very good right now. So you can do no—you can do a lot worse than picking the cheapest one of those guys for your DFS play going forward if you're looking for another surprise contributor here Rocco Grimaldi seeing more minutes and responded with five points in his last four games before last night and I like the way he's skating so uh, another guy that could help the depth forward situation here in Nashville.
0: Yeah, I think the only, you know, knock on a, on a team that's going real, real well right now uh, for me is the numbers uh, from Roman Yossi and, and the assists have still been there four in his last 10 games, uh, but no goals over that stretch. And that's definitely a concern. Uh, But it's not for a lack of trying. He's put up uh, 33 shots on goal in those 10 games, uh, blocking shots, too, with 19. So uh, nitpicking here as far as a a club that's really doing well. I'd like to see Yossi start putting a couple in the back of the net a little more frequently. Uh, But he's going to have plenty of DFS uh, viability in terms of all those other things. And so if you catch him on a goal night, uh, you're going to be looking uh, real good in your DFS lineup.
1: In New Jersey, they're dealing with the fact that Hall and Johansson are sideline. That's been weakening their left side. But Jesper bratt has been filling in admirably in their absence with a two points and plus three in his last three outings. Uh, I also want to point out Kyle Palmieri is on the verge of a career season, already notching 20 goals this so far this year but yet nobody's talking about him but me sneaky dfs value for sure for this uh, first liner Uh, also blake coleman is another capable offensive source who's on pace for a breakout campaign that should see him top 40 points for his career best too on the blue line will butcher has four points in his last seven games and he's looking more like the guy that played very well in a strong rookie season last year
0: Yeah, you know, this this team, I think what's been such a a focal point for them has been uh, Mackenzie Blackwood. And so that really has kind of taken a lot of attention away uh, from some of these other other guys. But, you know, they've obviously got uh, an injury to him right now, uh, lower body. And so they had to call up uh, Cameron Johnson uh, from the minors. This is a university in North Dakota product who put up some decent numbers uh, while playing there. Uh, has had to split time between the AHL and the ECHL this season, uh, so hasn't really logged a ton of games. Uh, and so far it, it doesn't look, you know, it's, it's looking like there was a reason he went undrafted out of North Dakota. Um, so don't expect to see him make the same kind of uh, Blackwood impact on this team, uh, you know, moving forward. On
1: the uh, story of the New York Islanders, I'll have much more to say about it later, but right now it's all about Robin Leonard and his steady play. For me, that's been the backbone of this team, and I didn't see it coming, AJ. I'm going to give you credit for highlighting him at the beginning of the season and calling him as a key addition here, uh, but I'll have much more to say about this. I'm curious to see how you break down the New York Islanders situation other than him right now.
0: Well, I think the key for me is, you know, getting Jordan Everly uh, back and available to be able to take on that, that top line role, uh, had a goal already in his return. Uh, and so that's obviously good news. I think that first line really kind of floundered a little bit with him out. Um, and they've got a solid second line. And you know, as, as I've called it before the triple B line, uh, there, those guys are producing as well. I think the only downside of Eberle coming back is that you have josh hosang kind of pushed down the lineup i don't know that he's going to do as well in a bottom six role which means he could be headed uh, back to to the minors here at some point
1: with the new york rangers jesper fast has a three-point game in his return off the ir and has assumed the right wing role in the top line with an improved shots on goal rate over his last five games that's good to see they need some speed up front on that top line to make it go the struggles of shattenkirk have been well documented in this corner on the blue line but youngsters, Pionk and Shea, have also struggled struggle of late in recent weeks. Just, uh, despite their upside with potential, they're not delivering too. So that's a big reason why the offense has dried up here of late. Uh, they need some more from the back end. And they have three capable guys who just aren't delivering the goods right now.
0: Well, and it certainly uh, doesn't help that uh, King Henrique has looked anything but royal of late. You know, he gave up 11 goals in his last two games, uh, got the hook there uh, as well. And because of that, they're going to give Alexander Georgiev the the start tonight. That's already been uh, confirmed uh, that he's going to be in between the pipes uh, against the Golden Knights. Now, uh, I'm not by any means suggesting you use him. The Golden Knights are red hot right now. I think that would be quite the contrarian pick if you went with it. But, you know, stranger things have happened. you got to play uh, the game every night. And so... Uh, If you want to not spend a whole lot on on your netminder, Alexander Georgiev might be your option.
1: In Ottawa, Ryan Zingle is thriving as the sidekick to Duchesne and Stone. He has four goals and two assists in his last four games played and is well on his way to a breakout campaign. And again, that should point him to around 50 to 60 points on the season. But nobody's talking about this guy either. Instead, they're talking about some of the off-ice issues here more than what's on the on the ice. This offense may be in line for a nice boost going forward as J- jean Gabriel Pajot made his season debut on the weekend. And what did he do? He picked up a goal right off the hop. He's gonna. This guy's gonna get second-line center minutes and get a look on the power play. He's been a steady second-line scorer, uh, secondary scorer in the past. So I look for him to try and fill a glaring need here going forward. On defense, have the Sens uncovered another gem in Christian Wolanen. I have to wonder because he's got three points in his last three games played and it's no fluke. He had 18 points in 26 <coughs> games played for the Belleville Senators before this call up. So I'm keeping an eye on the youngster on the blue line here. Not just Tobias Shabbat, but Christian Roland and another name you can might add to that mix.
0: Well, and one name I'll add on add to the mix in terms of forwards is Rudolfs Balsers. Uh, I, th- I think he is poised to have. A solid go here. Uh, came over as part of the uh, you know, a toss-in piece with the Eric Carlson trade. Uh, 26 points in 36 games in the minors so far this year. He got a goal uh, in his first two games up. I think you add him uh, for some depth scoring. You've got Peugeot. Uh, as a top, you know, top six center, suddenly this is a team that might be able to put some offense together outside of Duchesne and to And and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens here uh, going forward. I expect these lines to be a little bit fluid uh, in the, you know, uh, immediacy here, and we'll see how everything shakes out.
1: Hey, AJ, stop me if you heard this one before. The Flyers added another goalie last week, claiming Mike McKenna (laughs) on waivers. Look, he's not the answer, folks. This is just a depth move, they tell us. Uh, Up front, Nolan Patrick is back in the second line center role after missing four games with an upper body injury. And boy, you got to smile like a Cheshire cat, I think, AJ, because the second pick in the 2017 draft has struggled mightily although I think he should retain this role in the absence of real competition. I think you're looking good for that bet that you have with our friend of the show, Mr. Negrano, out there in Las Vegas. They have oddly not tried to fix this issue uh, by moving Giroux over to the pivot position. I'm surprised by that one, aren't you?
0: Yeah, a little bit. I I do... Uh, think you know some some added uh, help uh on the wings for patrick would definitely uh go a long way but uh you know i don't want to count my chickens before they hatch but certainly it doesn't look uh too shabby right now uh just 11 points uh through 35 games so far uh, and less than 40 remaining on the calendar so we'll see what happens the rest of the way he did have a strong second half last year uh as as you know daniel pointed out and so uh it's still obviously a, a,
1: a you know, a factor uh, going in the rest of the way. In Pittsburgh, Jake Gunsell is really thriving on Crosby's left wing, well on his way to a breakout campaign that will threaten the 70 point mark. That's a career best for him in his young career to date. I hope he stays there because uh, he's looked really good whenever he's played on Crosby's line, but there again, uh, there's a long list of people that might do the same thing. After being nipped, nicked up with a lower body injury, Brian Rust is back on the right side there, so I think it's a different look for that first line than we've seen all year. But one one that uh, is familiar in the past and, and it's worked out well. I'd like to see them stick with it. I wonder what the probabilities are there in the absence of injury issues. I think the third line also features uh, good low-cost DFS value. You can go three deep in, on this team, like not too many other clubs. Uh, Derek Broussard centering Phil Kessel and Tanner Peters- Pearson. I really like Pearson in this mix. As the dark horse value play <coughs> among the that trio in the nets uh, i guess you're really happy about the fact that murray has seven straight wings wins allowing only nine goals against it his best stretch almost as a pro aj
0: yeah it really is i mean you look maybe uh it for sure is his best stretch in the regular season i don't think there's any arguing that he may have put together uh, some slightly better performances in in the playoffs um, but definitely regular season, uh, hard to beat right now. Uh, and you pointed out some great, great options. I think, uh, you know, with the extension they gave Gunsel, that's confirmation that him and Sid are locked in. These two guys will play together, I think, uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, there's no shaking that up, in my opinion. Uh, Dominic Simone is benefiting from that, and he's been playing with Malkin, and the numbers haven't been too shabby of late he's got points in three straight uh two goals two assists in those three contests and is really settling in well there uh and so yeah you pointed out uh the penguins are deeper than almost any other team in the league with that third line that you know there's a lot of clubs that that's that's for sure a second line might even be some teams out there where you're looking at kessel brassard pearson as your first line
1: in San Jose the Sharks are really rolling. They pulled up another win last night, so they're among the league leaders once again. Remember the the half season last year when Brent Burns struggled offensively? Neither does he. He has <laughs> he has four, 11 points in his last 4 games played before last night and suddenly is better than a point per game on the season back where we're used to seeing him. Fellow All-World defenseman Eric Carlson also has a ton of points, over nine points over last four games, four last night. And in goal, Marty Jones has now allowed thirteen goals over his last five games played. They're all wins, and it's a testament to the quality of this offense when he can uh, give up almost three goals a game and they still win, win night after night.
0: Well, and one major piece of that. Uh, continues to be a Vander Kane. You know he's on a five-game point streak, has three goals, uh, four assists during that stretch, and is really uh, performing well. If if I had to pick a knock on his numbers right now, again nitpicking here, just one of those uh, seven points in the last five games came on the power play. Uh, he's averaging uh, a, a somewhat lower number, one forty-nine. So uh, not a huge. You know he's not seeing. Uh, The four minutes on the power play, like some other teams will do. He is on the second unit, but he is the focal point of that second unit. And I'd like to see a little bit more production in that aspect of his game. But as I said, really kind of, uh, you know, finding minor things for a team that's really rolling lately
1: in st louis as this team approaches full strength missing only third line center tyler bozak with an upper body injury i look for big things here uh, for instance things are coming together on the blue line with alex Pietrangelo getting lots of shots on goal in four games five games now since he's come off the ir and he collected a couple of points already so looking good and ready to claim his uh, top scoring role in the defensive posture here Uh, Jaden Schwartz snapped a five game pointless streak recently and his line mates Shannon Tarasenko are due to break out soon. I look for that trio to be uh, underpriced in DFS play, but I think they could really return value in the next little while as this team starts to get some traction. More telling is the, a better defensive structure overall that's seen the team keep a lid on opposing shots on goal, topping only 30 uh, one time in the last nine games. And they got a real boost last night when a friend of the show and friend of the family here, incidentally uh, at the home office in Richmond Hill, Jordan Binnington collected a shutout in his first NHL start. So we're all pretty excited for a boy who's uh, uh, shared some time in the Bruno household
0: yeah absolutely that is definitely exciting and I I think he's a a solid prospect for them uh, moving forward you know obviously whether it's with St. Louis or not remains to be seen I mean Jake Allen's only 28 years old uh, so not sure they're going to want to you know keep Bennington in reserve for you know another five six seven years i'm not sure that he would even want to do that i'm sure he wants to get his shot as a number one somewhere so it'll be interesting to see you know how that shakes up where he ends out you know the big thing for me is uh it sounds everything i've read and heard uh, it sounds like the fire sale will be on at some point here in st louis you know they're sitting uh, well outside of the wild card spot right now excuse me seven points behind minnesota And really uh, not much of a factor in the division either. So, uh, you know, looking at some pieces that could go, I think Patrick Maroon is your number one candidate for a rental team that just wants him to come in uh, and maybe, you know, start producing a little bit. But, you know, you've got guys that have some intrigue in in Oscar Sundquist, Ivan Barbashev, uh, Zach Sanford. All these guys would be RFAs next year. So teams aren't really uh, full rental on them. You know the bigger names are our concerns because of the length and price of their contract tarasenko is 7.5 million same with ryan o'reilly uh you've got petrangelo just one more year so maybe that offers some some options but still a 6.5 hit there uh, and so it'll be interesting to see but i've heard and read that the fire sale will be on if they uh, continue to wallow for much longer
1: well in tampa we've you used the expression "nitpicking" earlier on, and it's been real trouble trying to find a weakness here. But <laughs> I, I'm going to go to the first line and say their construct is similar to what we see on Crosby's line in Pittsburgh. Some of the lesser loan players are getting a shot there than some of the front liners that could be up there. Uh, Palat and Killorn filling that uh, the port side and the starboard side on Stamkos' line right now, but they haven't produced an even strength goal in the last four games. All of Stamkos' points in that. In that term, have been on the power play, so I'd like to get that unit rolling again. Uh, Nikita Kucherov is now lining up on Braden Point's right wing, and uh, he saw his big point streak snap with an ugly minus four in his last game to boot, as they lost to San Jose. But boy, he's still the top scorer in the league, and and this is still a powerful unit, powerful top six. Uh, really, when even when they're not going on full tilt, uh, tough tough out <coughs> for any team in the league in this historic season for the Tampa franchise. Uh, it, I'd say bet on Kucherov to (laughs) write that ship real quick in DFS play for sure. When we speak of high-scoring D-men, we haven't included Victor Hedman very often this season, but uh, I want to hasten to point out that he suddenly has seven seven points in his last six games played, and he's back with his longtime partner, Anton Strahlman. I don't think that the two uh, comments are unrelated here. I think it's a big part of the stability that uh, Hedman feels and the freedom to go up the ice and venture into the offensive play more than he did with other partners.
0: Yeah, you bring up a great point with Hedman. I mean, looking at the, the numbers right now, he ranks 16th in terms of point production uh, for for blue liners in the league. You know, you've got uh, you know it's kind of interesting to see somebody whose name is normally up there in the top five I mean we've gotten so used to seeing you know Carlson Burns and Hedman like in their own category maybe you throw Giordano in there but uh, this year it really has changed up you've got Morgan Riley it's at, at second in that spot John Carlson is doing it again uh, he's number four Thomas Shabbat who You know, we talked about, uh, you know, being a a breakout year now that he's taken over in Ottawa. So really some different names showing up there and and Hedman uh, really not.
1: All right. In Toronto, a groin injury to Freddie Anderson has forced the Leafs number one goalie to the sidelines. He's missed now six games. He hasn't played a game in about three weeks, actually. He's taken the time off to get rest, and this will mean that he may not reach the 60-game plateau for the first time since joining the Leafs a few years ago. That could be a bit of a blessing in disguise and have him fresher for the postseason, in fact stepping in in the interim they picked up Michael Hutchinson in a minor trade and he paid a dividend on the weekend with a nice looking effort and a shutout but he's one and two uh, in three games and last night was a four nothing loss but really two of those goals were in the very late stages of a tight game and he played very well in that one after struggling in his first outing of the season I think the Leafs may have found their their backup for the rest of the season he's making that good a case and that is a is a situation with some intrigue as we look forward to see how the situation plays out if and when Sparks gets healthy. Up front, Zach Hyman is nearing return, and Babcock indicated that he'll rejoin the Matthews line as soon as he's ready, and that could be as soon as later this week when they travel to New Jersey of concern to me and many Leaf fans Willie Nylander continues to struggle he did finally get his first goal of the season but he has looked like he's playing uh, at less than uh, optimal levels right now just not looking fully engaged and that's a bit of a problem here and I wonder how patient Babcock's going to be now that he gets another piece back in the lineup where will he put Nylander and uh, may it might it not be with Matthews in fact
0: yeah, I think uh, you know you made some some very interesting you know points about Nylander's struggles, and and uh, I, I think obviously <clears throat> when you get that kind of deal that he did uh, late in the season, uh, you want more out of him. I I think this is a factor as to why guys show up, why you know training camp and and you know early part of the season. I think if he had been there for all of this, I think we'd be seeing a lot better production out of him at this point, but obviously you know he made the decision uh, that he did and now you know the team uh, and he kind of have to roll with it i do think this is a good point you know you uh, gave daniel a little of, bit of grief by bringing up my bet with him i think it's a good point to time to highlight the dollar <laughs> bet between you and i uh, as well you've got malcolm with 44 points crosby with 51 that gives my centers 95 and then you've got Tavares at 47, Matthews at 39. So your center's at 86. That gives me a nine-point lead heading into the back half of the season here. Now, one call you did make correctly. After we made that bet, you said, well, I think Mitch Marner still might lead the team in scoring. And that is the case right now. He, he does lead uh, Toronto uh, in scoring. And while that's a great call by you and great prediction for the season, the dollar bet's still not looking too great for you right now
1: my guys can make up 9 points in one night my friend <laughs> just like your guys can get nine so it's going to be leave leave us some intrigue for the rest of the season and we got some grief for mispronouncing the hot rookie's name uh, in Vancouver it's Elias Petterson and uh, I, I think the the wind flows were down to zero for about a half hour or two uh, earlier this week when he was sidelined with an MCL strain in the middle of a game with Montreal as people held their collective breaths out there in BC. <laughs> uh, the Canucks, in fact, haven't scored a goal since he went down that's 90 minutes without a goal. Uh, building his case for the MVP that I outlined last week in fact he should return in a couple of weeks from that uh, minor strain and Pedersen should resume his chase for the rookie award but you made the call he probably doesn't have to do anything on the ice to win that trophy he's got such a lead over the rest of the 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 rookie class Brandon Sutter rejoined the lineup at the same time as Pedersen went out and has inherited his top six minutes but hasn't yet capitalized he may not in fact though as he's only scored four points in 15 games played this season in a reshuffled forward line Nikolai Goldobin's been installed as a scoring line left winger ahead of Sven Barchi that's a bit of a surprise for me and Josh Levo is on the IR with an upper body injury it was a disappointment for me that he wasn't able to face the Leafs in uh, the first game Vancouver played against Toronto since he was dealt
0: well I, you brought up you know some some concerns uh you know with Pedersen out uh I'll I'll bring up one you know uh thing that i think is going to be good for them uh thatcher demko has been called up from the minors uh, looking 8-5-0 uh, this season with a .911 save percentage in 16 games for, for AHL Utica. Now, he missed uh, uh, some time at the start of the season with an injury. Uh, and th- so that's why he's only played kind of limited action there. Now, he's been called up to serve as Markstrom's backup. You know, they they traded away Nilsson. Then they lost uh, McKenna on, uh, on waivers. And so uh, they really... Uh, found themselves thin, but I think it's going to be a good thing for them to get the 23 year old some looks. Uh, they obviously saw something in him taking him 36 overall back in 2014, uh, but really has only uh, but has only played one NHL game since then so I think uh, getting him uh, some time will be good for the future of this franchise.
1: Well, in Las Vegas, as this team gets healthier, their fortunes have improved dramatically as they race to the top of the Western Conference standings here. They're really in contention still, and that's a surprise given all the injuries and the struggles they had earlier this season. They're about to get Colin Miller back after he's missed about the last past three weeks. He may be their best offensive defenseman, in fact, AJ. I was surprised uh, in another vein where they briefly demoted Brandon Peary sending him to the minors after we highlighted just how hot he was while Pacharetti was out well Pacharetti's back but Peary was back too he only missed one one or two days with the roster he's back in a third line role and it'd be hard pressed for him to continue that streak of play uh, in that third line role with less minutes now that uh, the offense in the top two lines is intact again in the Nets uh, Marc-Andre Fleury's healthy in goal. And unlike last year, Will, uh, where he struggled with health concerns, this guy's going to blow through the win total that he amassed all season. And he's already passed last season's shutout total with six on the year.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could be a, a Vesna campaign uh, in the making here right now for the flower. Obviously, he's got to stay healthy, which has been a concern, you know, the last couple of years. But uh, would love to see uh, him get some hardware at the end of the season here. Now, you highlighted uh, scoring out of the top guys. One line that really has shockingly not produced it is a fourth line that I think has some talented guys who I otherwise would have thought. Thomas Nosek, uh is a player I, I would have expected more out of based on uh, some numbers he put up in the, in the minors while in Detroit system. And it really hasn't panned out. Just 11 points in 40 games has been scratched a, a handful of time, times uh, this year. And then Oscar Lindbergh. Uh, Another option has served as a healthy scratch a bunch just six points in 21 games. You know he had uh, hit the 20 point mark twice while he was with the Rangers and I thought moving to Las Vegas would be an opportunity for him to play more uh, and potentially break into 30s maybe even push for 40s but that really hasn't happened either fortunately for them they're getting goals out of ryan reeves which is strange to say but he scored his eighth of the year uh, which is a career high for him and so uh, for the two guys that are struggling that we thought would score fortunately they've got ryan reeves who nobody expects to score putting pucks into the back of the net
1: in washington a couple of weeks ago i mentioned that i'd be monitoring michael kempie's productivity while on the top D pairing with John Carlson well at the time he had 11 points and I'll say this in the last four games he's picked up four more so his best sp- uh, point of the season is right now just as I would hope that it might have been uh, up front Borokowski's getting more minutes on the left wing uh, in a scoring line unit after coming off the IR uh, for three, three weeks and may, he may challenge uh, Jakob Rana for a continued uh, look in the top six role if Rana struggles continue for the club.
0: Yeah, you know, I just don't see that coming uh, from Berkovsky I, I think Vrana's doing enough to kind of hold on to that spot. I don't see a big challenge coming from him or really anybody else. I, I, I think he's kind of locked in. Now, obviously, uh, injuries being a factor could move things around, but all things being equal, if they're healthy, I think Vrana's the clear uh,
1: guy ahead for that top six spot. You're feeling your oats because you're winning the two bets. That's all it is right now. I can tell. <laughs> in Winnipeg, we'll wind up our look around the league by saying this. Patrick Liney's is not coming up with too many headlines. Only two points in his last eight games played while posting an ugly minus 11 so far this season. So there's been not a lot of talk from the Finnish sensation of late. It won't help him with the development that has sidelined his best friend and left wing on his line, Nikolai Ehlers, too. He's out with an injury. Uh, wrist injury that'll sideline him potentially for quite some time. Jas- Jack Roslovic is the new second line left winger in the near term and he's only got nine points in 40 games played this season so you know that's a big blow to the offense here with Ealers out. Josh morrissey has been productive on the blue line on a career best po- scoring pace and nobody's talking about this guy he's on pace for 50 point season from the blue line now partnered with Jacob Truba on their top defensive pairing that could be one of the better offensive groups uh, pairings in the entire league in fact.
0: Well, don't sleep on Ross uh, You know, he had 35 points in 32 games in the minors last season, uh, 48 in 65 games the year before that. This guy was taken with the 25th overall pick in 2015 for a reason. And I think playing with line, a could be uh, a good thing for him to, to kind of get his stride in the NHL here. The other, you know, kind of silver lining with Ehlers being out is that Kyle Connor has found himself back on that top line with Shifley and Wheeler, uh, which is something that they had, you know, played with the other, you know, putting him on the second. Well, that resulted in a 10 game goal drought, uh, but that did finally come to an end against Dallas. And maybe that's what uh, he needs being back with those two big boys. And then Roslavich can maybe add something uh, to Patrick Leiner's line. So maybe with Ehlers out, a couple of slumping guys can. And start get going
1: well now it's time for our Fanduel segment and uh, we'll remind our listeners that you and i are among two and a half million people that have won cash playing prize with uh, prizes on Fanduel every night for a wide range of games in all the major sports that are being played to take advantage of our special offer for new users we encourage you to sign up today at fanduel.com rw These contests are void where prohibited, but they sure are a heck of a lot of fun when you can play them legally, AJ, and we've had a ball with them. We've got an 11-game schedule on tap for tonight. I know you'll be interested with the Florida Panthers visiting the Penguins. To me, that's a walker over for your club, and it might be a strong case for Murray to extend his winning streak, or maybe they go to the backup goalie. You might shed some light on that matchup for us. But other than that, I am uh, also intrigued by Colorado Winnipeg, two of the better teams out west, meeting up in Winnipeg, one of the toughest places for visitors, visiting teams to play. But it's a big line against big line here, and that'll be a showcase situation. Edmonton visits San Jose to see if they can slow down one of the top teams in the Western Conference, the best player coming into town with them uh, in McDavid. So that could be a shootout as well. So some really intriguing matchups on the, on the horizon as we look ahead to tonight's games for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's got everything you could want uh, tonight. You know, if you want to see quality teams going up against each other, as you said, Colorado, Winnipeg, Edmonton, San Jose. If you want to see potential blowouts, you've got the Vegas uh, Golden Knights against the Rangers. Pittsburgh, Florida uh, could all be Uh, Tampa Bay. Columbus uh, could fall into either of those categories to be. totally honest with you depending on which columbus team shows up so um yeah a ton of great games tonight uh, to watch now in terms of what the optimizer spits out tonight uh it starts uh with kind of an intriguing option the optimizer wants to go with florida uh, against pittsburgh uh, it's not a choice that i personally plan on making but uh <laughs> it's there. Uh, the numbers seem to to make a, uh, an argument for that. So it starts off with Barkov uh, playing that top line center role for uh, 7,100. Then goes to Ryan O'Reilly for St. Louis against Dallas, 7,500. Uh, so some big price tag on the centers there. And the wing going to go with a two uh, double stack here. It's going to go Wheeler. Uh, at 7,600 and then Kyle Connor who I just talked about being back on that first line at 4,600 uh, both those Winnipeg guys and then it goes with Dadanov at 5,600 uh, and flips that with Frank Vetrano for the Panthers at 3,900 I do uh, I don't hate that uh, pick for cheap play on most other nights but with how good Matt Murray and the Penguins have been lately uh, I would avoid it tonight but on a, an, another night I, I think Vetrano can offer some value Uh, with that low price tag in uh on the blue line paying up big for brent burns 7600 and connor counters that with mike matheson your fourth uh florida panther tonight 3800 in the nets uh it likes connor Hellybuck at 8200 now i i understand that that's uh, a little bit of a discounted option compared uh, to some of the higher price tags that you could go with tonight uh, but for me you know, I, this game could easily be a shootout, and and you may want to avoid both net minders. You know, looking at the, the over-under, you've got that game at six and a half. That's pretty high for most hockey games. And so uh, I'm staying away from Helly Buck tonight, but certainly uh, an argument apparently can be made for that.
1: Well, I agree with you. The, that lineup for the optimizer fits out, I'm going to take away your rose-colored glasses with a penguin logo on them and tell you that I agree with you that that uh, I I think I'd shy away from that maybe reload the optimizer that's a function that it does have you can if you don't like the first lineup you can certainly run it again Uh, in terms of the lineup that I offer I'm looking at the win probability that's going to highlight some home teams right down the line it looks like Uh, Las Vegas, I talked about how well they've been playing and they got a matchup against a struggling Rangers club. So I'm all over Paul Stastny at $5,800. That's a low price tag for a top scoring line center. uh, And I'll grab that all all day long in this particular matchup. Logan Couture is uh, affordable to me at $7,400 as the home center on the top line for for the Sharks they do play the second of back-to-backs but they had a really easy night at home against the Kings last night so I don't fear the back-to-back situation and Couture could have a field day against the suspect defensive posture that the Edmonton Oilers offer up up front, uh, one of the bright lights in, uh, on the New York Islanders continues to be Anders Lee, and uh, he's not missing John Tavares too, too much. Uh, but his price tag is a little bit lower than I might have expected considering the disparity of this matchup against Carolina. I'll take him for $6,400. I go back to Vegas for Max Pacioretty against the Rangers. He's priced at $6,100. He's getting his game in order, folks, and a, a strong part of that top six that's really carrying this club offensively of late. I go back to the island to pick up Josh Bailey, who is the compliment to Lee on that top scoring line for the Islanders. I think they're have a field day tonight. And Bailey uh, comes in at $5,800 in this evening's matchup. And once again, I go back to Vegas for uh, another forward. Alex Tuck uh, on that second line with Pacioretty. Uh, they could really have a big night against the Rangers, so I don't mind doubling up there with $5,800, his price tag. On the blue line, I'm left to spend a little bit more money than I usually have because I'm going to grab Alex Pietrangelo, who's looked pretty solid since he got back in the St. Louis lineup and I think they got a, a nice date against Dallas to look forward to and $5,200 $5, the price tag for a guy who logs almost 25 minutes a night. I'll grab that and look forward to a big payoff from Pietrangelo this evening and I mentioned Truba being partnered with another offensive minded defenseman that's going to help his game and I agree with you. I think this could be a high scoring affair. I expect Truba to be a part of that for $4,700. I'm left with $7,800 in the nets, and I'm going to go back to San Jose, and I'm going to pick Aaron Dell, who looks like he'll get the second game of the back-to-back with Jones playing last night. So I'm pretty reasonably confident I won't have to make a goalie swap like I did last week, thanks to you, AJ.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, think uh, there's some some great options there. Uh, not too much overlap with my lineup. Now, if you listen to the show uh, this week and and didn't just skip ahead to the DFS portion here, uh, you're not going to be surprised by a lot of the names that show up here. A lot of guys I highlighted ended up in my lineup tonight. First of all, we talked about the Penguin game uh, being a a potentially one-sided affair. You've got the Penguins minus 190 in that contest with a six and a half as the over under. Uh, So that works out to about a a four and a half uh, expected goal total for the Penguins tonight. I think it could certainly be higher. And so for me, uh, I'm going heavy pens tonight. Uh, and basically, I'm going to use uh, as much of that top power play unit as I can. So Sidney Crosby, 8,900; Evgeny Malkin, 8,200; and then I'll throw in Phil Kessel at 7,900. And really, uh, that's a lot of a lot of dollars there spent at center and as a, a top winger. So I had to find some value the rest of the way. Uh, we talked about Jordan Greenway and Zach Kayson both moving into first line roles and they're coming in at 3,600 a piece. So I'm going to use both of those guys. I highlighted Joel Armia as a guy that I really like. You've got a top six winger at 3000. That's the lowest price point you can get. And so I went uh, with him and really saved some money there. Uh, And I mentioned the rest of that power play. So Chris Letang, 7,100 on the blue line. And then a guy you highlighted, Ryan Murray, for Columbus he's still uh, coming in at 3600 that's a great value there for a guy having a tremendous season between the pipes I went with the most uh, lopsided matchup of the night again spending up big and sort of getting another penguin in the lineup that's Mark andre Fleury the Vegas Golden Knights <laughs> minus two seventy tonight against the Rangers. Uh hoping perhaps he can increase that shutout total for me tonight. He comes in at nine thousand. So pretty big high low, pretty big swings there. But if I can get some production out of Armia Greenway and Quezon, I'm gonna be looking pretty tonight
1: yeah i think you 've got to count on some production from that that group because you can 't have three low end guys not for producing, but uh, the other guys you have in the lineup could certainly carry the day still there 's a lot of a lot of name recognition a lot of power in that possibility uh the start of the week and the rant of the week are somewhat tied this week to one another so and i'm going to go off the ice to highlight somebody i feel bad about maybe slighting the uh, calgary forward that you highlighted earlier johnny hockey truly really having an outstanding season and a great great week to be the number one star in the league on the ice but off the ice there's a star emerging that he's done it before folks i'm talking about lou lamorello he's once again pushing all the right buttons on uh, the new york islanders situation First, he brought in coach Barry Trotz. Then he added goalie, uh, goalie that he had some faith in, in Robin Leonard, where other people were really wondering about that call a little bit. But he's looked very dominant on the ice and has filled this key position to the nines uh and really bolstered an islander team that we didn't think was going to be playoff ready uh, this season he's had a big part to play uh lou has followed this same formula in jersey and toronto where he has installed a coach that he has trust and faith in he finds finds a top tier goalie that maybe other people had had ignored and, and uh, built a team around them. The man knows how to find key pieces and motivates his on-ice leaders more than uh, most other general managers. You know, he's, he's more involved in talking to the individual players in season than most GMs are. And a couple of examples are the way he's dealt with young Matthew Barzell uh, telling him that he's the new leader of the club and they expect him to act that way. And uh, he certainly is starting to thrive. And he's revived Nick Letty, who has been uh, a top-scoring defenseman in this league but really struggled in the last couple of seasons. Now Letty's got his game in order. And so uh, I think all this reflects very well on a guy who's been around the block once or twice. Lou Lamorello is my stud of the week this week.
0: Yeah, I can't argue with that at all. I mean, you're talking about a club that we basically... Uh, most people wrote off after Tavares left uh, that it was going to be several down years in order for them to get back into it well uh, they've got 50 points on the season they're sitting at first in the wild card but don't sleep on them to factor into this division uh, you know the top three in the division either Uh, they're right there in the mix and and I think uh, could surpass Columbus at some point here uh, and maybe even push Pittsburgh and, and Washington for those top spots so we'll obviously monitor that but you know for a team that was supposed to be uh basically a a non-factor for this season and and many more uh, that really hasn't been the case and and they've looked good and uh, to your point a lot of that goes from uh, how this team has been built
1: and the rant of the week i'm gonna say it has a bit of a canadian flavor aj Uh, i looked at the up-to-date attendance figures showing four u.s teams with significantly lower attendance figures than ottawa they're namely Carolina, Arizona, Florida, and the Islanders. And there's a tie-in to Lou Lamorello. Uh However, I only read of trouble with the Senators franchise when I hear about any negative things about any franchises in the NHL. Look, Carolina is a beautiful place. But really, it's a basketball and golf mecca, not hockey. And the attendance figures are reflecting that once again this season. And Arizona, well, the same could be said here in terms of their affinity for golf down there. The arena certainly is clearly in the wrong part of the state. We've highlighted that before. And uh, if it was down in downtown Phoenix, I'd feel a lot better for this franchise instead of in the middle of nowhere in Glendale. In Florida, there's not enough interest in uh, the hockey team in Miami for any sport, really, Uh, Certainly, they had a nice run with the basketball team for a couple of years. But by and large, this, this state ignores baseball after April. And it certainly seems like they're doing a great job of ignoring hockey uh, in season as well. And that brings me to the Islanders. Look, there's two existing arenas here. They're both substandard and they're hurting this franchise. But credit to Lou Lamorello is that he's keeping a lid on that kind of talk. I haven't heard word one about it this year, actually. But still, those are, that's a trouble spot for the league. Uh, why not look north of the border is my message. Look, Ottawa is a mess because of their arena deal, but I guarantee success if they were to move this team to Quebec where everything's already in place, an arena awaits the franchise wherever they might come from. Southern Ontario certainly could support a second team. That's no shock and no surprise. In fact, if they put it in the Metro Toronto area, I guarantee that it'd be one of the wealthiest franchises in the league almost immediately. Uh, Finally, I'll make a point that now that Seattle's on the verge of an expansion franchise, which I'm sure will thrive in in that Western locale, the league will be at an optimal 32 teams. And with that symmetry ensured, it's relocation, not expansion of franchises. That'll be topical as we look to the future. And that's why I'm going to broach this subject with you today and look at some of the weaker franchises and say, we might not see more expansion, but might we see some relocation?
0: Well, I think uh, the the big piece here is going to be Arizona. I think they'll be the first team uh, to leave if somebody does. And I, from everything I've heard, Houston seems to be an intriguing option. Uh, you've got the stars in in Dallas, but obviously that builds instant rivalry there. And you're looking at a team that needs to probably move to the central anyway, uh, once Seattle's added to the Pacific and Houston's a lot closer to St. Louis, uh, Chicago, uh, Minnesota. So it it really wouldn't be, uh, you know, a big factor there. You know, the only team that maybe, I don't think the travel time's even longer. I think it just remains the same. It doesn't get closer as Winnipeg. Um, but those guys are obviously used to traveling a, a pretty good distance for most games anyway. So, um, the team already has to move to a different division. Will, might be a prime time to move to a city that might do a better job of supporting a team, uh, and and like I said, build that instant rivalry. I think that's part of what hurts Arizona is that there's not really, uh, you know, good a good rivalry option in terms of just geolocation there but you add a team to houston obviously with dallas you're going to have that that's why seattle was an option too because you have vancouver right there in an already kind of solid rivalry uh ready to go
1: aj we this completes our second show in five days are you feeling a little extra fatigue we've never done two shows this close together
0: <laughs> no no i'm good to go uh, you know, if, if need be, we can try and see if we can get a backup to come in. But I, I think I should be good to go. I'm, I'm not too worried. We've got some time off before the next one. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm ready to go.
1: I'm also pressuring our, our staff to get a second show on a weekly basis out of us. So maybe, maybe this shows them that we can do it. We can handle the pressure, AJ. I think we've proved <laughs> ourselves today. And uh, that's to a fine place to stop. It wraps up this episode of PuckCast with Statsman and AJ. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen into podcasts to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.